This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. All right, well, we're starting to to morph these new episodes into questions that turn into a long form uh, episode because what I'm thinking in the future is to um, do educational content and I'm going to put that on a website and money skills so I've actually built the back end of that Um, I just got to start putting content in it but in this episode we're going to ask you a question Mr. Moore but how are you? I'm good. That's enough from you we got a quick (laughs) one. I was kidding. Uh, Actually yeah what's been going on in Greg's life? People haven't heard from you in a little while probably week or so a week yeah, week's nice. a lifetime and, it is a lifetime in uh, social media and <laughs> yeah it is a lifetime whatever <laughs> Instagram TikTok Insta- LinkedIn Instagram yeah no Famous. well that, um, my, my hens are doing well hens are doing happy well happy hens in Herne Bay I heard you had an infiltration I did it was a, a bit of a worry I bought this beautiful <laughs> hen it was in Ornington and uh, you know, lots of different colours and blacks and golds and reds and, you know, it was gorgeous. And then one day it had a sex change. <laughs> Unbeknown to me, it turned into a, a cockerel, a rooster. Oh. And my neighbours, oh, I could see they were going to have a problem, so it had to be, it couldn't shape up, so it had to be shipped out. Was it hen that identified as a rooster or was it a... I don't know. In this day and age, you can't <laughs> be risky. too sure. <laughs> can't be too sure. Now, it was a gorgeous bird, and uh, the people I got it from said, oh, send it back. We'll send it off to become um, Vindaloo. And I'm going, no, not my not my hen, A.K. Rooster, rooster Cockerel. <laughs> so I relocated it to the Mandabit Grammar School farm. But then... The farmers in charge there thought maybe not, which is a bit of a shame, really. So I sent it off to some friends who live at the end of Ness Valley Road, right at the end, and it's living there with eight very happy hens Mm. and slightly unhappy older rooster because it's a young rooster. (laughs) Us old roosters don't like it when the young roosters come around. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Chasing our hens. Notice that at the office. Yeah, you keep... uh Certain you're uh, the pecking order? No, I'm just kidding. That was the best of What pecking order? There isn't really. We're all in the same boat together. No, I'm at the bottom. You're at the bottom? Yeah, okay, cool. Young Rooster is taking it to the top, everyone. Hello to everyone on TikTok. So we've got the question. This is going to flow into um, the new announcement by the Financial Markets Authority, which is kind of like the, the governing body for all us finance people. And they've brought in the new default fund providers. And those default fund providers historically would be uh, just if you didn't make a choice with your KiwiSaver, they'd chuck you on these things with no mm-hmm. advice and those that sort of thing. And uh, I thought you might have a few opinions on that, but it ties into the question for Mary Holm, uh, another one of your favorites. 
Um, Mary Holm, you regularly suggest that readers choose a low-fee KiwiSaver provider slash fund. In last Saturday's column, you state, are you one of... Are you in one of the lowest fee funds of your type? This is the best way to choose a KiwiSaver provider. Personally, I believe this is too much of a generalization and could be quite misleading on the basis that not not all or even most low-fee KiwiSaver providers are going to be necessarily deliver the best result for KiwiSaver members. In my hum- humble opinion, I prefer to research the various providers and funds and compare the returns after fees and before tax. It doesn't matter which tax rate you're on, the main point being the return after fees. I joined KiwiSaver when it was first launched and have remained in the same provider who charges high fees. However, I continue to enjoy the benefits of their hard work by receiving a higher net return after fees than the low, lower fee providers. I prefer to receive 9% a year after paying 2% in fees than receiving 6% after paying only 1% in fees. Yes, I continue to keep a close eye on the differences between low-fee and higher-fee providers. It's a very similar debate in terms of active versus passive management and the associated fees. So there's a few pieces in that. Yeah, I'm still awake after all. Yeah, it's amazing. You did well. Yeah, there's a lot in there, I suppose. The you mentioned just early on about default providers, and there have been some changes there. And what a default provider does basically is that if you join KiwiSaver through your employer um, and there is no advisor there, effectively your KiwiSaver provider becomes one of the defaults. They must have sort of like a pull the one out of the hat or maybe it's your turn next sort of thing going round and round. And all that is is basically a cash fund until you elect it to be something else. So... No one should be in a default fund in cash, so to speak, because what's your return going to be? Nothing. Mm. You know, uh, the fees might be low, but the return will be lower. So I don't see how that really works for any fund manager because if you're in default, that means you're in a cash fund, and the cash fund, um, what are you going to get? Nothing. If you're getting less than 1% on term deposits, what are you going to get for cash? Yeah. No, point one. Hmm. I don't know. It'd be very ridiculous. So um, if you are in the default fund, uh, you need to choose a provider. It could be the provider providing the default fund. Nothing wrong with that. But you do need to look at saying, well, I need to be in a fund that reflects my uh, current situation, uh, my time of life, and, and where I think I'm going. So if you're a younger person, you'd probably go for a growth fund. If you're an older person, you might go for a more balanced or moderate fund. Why? Because at the end of the day, the growth fund will high, will provide a higher return, but it'll be more volatile. Um, it'll go up and down a bit, and you might not enjoy that. And you might do the sort of things some people did last year when uh, the markets were affected by COVID and fell quite sharply, some people in growth funds and some who had advisors as well. So I don't know what the advisors were doing. They were out to lunch. But some people in growth funds basically transferred to a default or a conservative fund. And the problem with that, of course, is they then now crystallise the loss 
Up to then, the loss was unrealised. But what's happened to markets in the interim? Gone up. So those people missed the... They they basically took the hiding and missed the party. So that seems like pretty dumb. And a good advisor would make sure that you stick within the thing and that you stay with the fund that reflects your point, your, your, your time of life. So the default funds... Uh, something that the government has elected to do, and this is where it goes into the, the Mary Holm approach to life, which is if it's cheap, it must be good. And that's the consumer view. If you look at the old consumer magazines, you know, you'd only choose the washing machine or the vacuum or whatever, um, the dishwasher that's cheap. Well, what we find in life is you get what you pay for. If it's cheap, it'll probably break down. If it's cheap, it probably won't uh, provide you all the needs that you have. It won't do all the things that you want it to do. Um, it's also an interesting thing that if you know if cheap was the weird way to go, we'd all be driving around in Russian larders, wouldn't we? Because they're pretty cheap, or they used to be. Probably now fashionable. But people don't. People choose a vehicle that meets their particular requirement. You, you, you know, how many people are you transporting? How big are you? Um, I, I, I don't look very good in an MGB GT, uh, as my late wife found when she had one and I didn't and just didn't fit. I was a bit big. Um, so, you know, you look at the car that meets your requirements and what the, 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 the purpose of it is. I, you know, go off planting trees and I've got a trailer, so I need a car that will be able to pull a trailer full of trees. So a larder won't do it. Uh, a sewing machine on wheels won't do it. So I need a car that's got a little bit of grunt. Same as KiwiSaver. You know, at the end of the day, if you've got 40 years of work throughout which to save to fund your retirement... Um, you're going to be looking at a provider that gives you the best return for the level of risk that you're prepared to take. That's the level of volatility. And if you've got 40 years, I wouldn't worry about volatility because, again, dollar cost averaging means that you'll be able to put money in at the lows and the highs. And, of course, the money you put in at the lows is the best investment you'll ever make because you're buying at the bottom of the market. So when you're assessing which fund manager you want to deal with, it shouldn't be solely on price. Price is a factor, but you should be looking at consistency of return. Uh, will they be around? Um, remember all the people went into Gareth Morgan because they thought Gareth was the, the bee's knees? Mm. Um, he's gone. So he sold out to... Uh, is it Kiwi Wealth? Is that the one Kiwi sold to Kiwi Bank? Oh, did it? Yeah, yeah it's Kiwi all gone. Wealth is with Kiwi Bank. I don't know yeah. about Gareth Morgan. So again, if you're looking at a provider, you want to say, well, they stay the different distance, and if they sell out, you've got to then review: does the new provider meet your requirements? How do you tell if they'll be around? Well, you don't, I suppose. <laughs> but you know, if they're if they're a major institution, you'd like to think they would be. You know, okay. the ASBs, the BNZs, uh, the um, the Westpacs, uh, the ANZs, they'll they'll be around. Um, you'd like to think AMP will be around. Um, New Zealand funds, they'll be around. 
But if something changes, then you've got to be able to change with it. So you need to keep your eye on that particular ball. Um, so I'm actually with the uh, the right person who wrote in to say, well, it's actually your net return after fees that's really important. It's not the um, you know the one that gives us the cheapest price. And it's interesting when you look at what's happened with the new default providers, people like Simplicity, for example, um, cheap, low fees. Why? Because basically the fund are all through an indexed arrangement and that means that you're in a passive fund, not an active fund. And if the market falls by 30%, your portfolio will fall by 30%. You're not going to get any um, management of the portfolio that you might get with an active fund. So you've got to take that into account. We interrupt this message just to let you know that there's a free consultation. Anyone that listens to this podcast, there's a link at the bottom. Just click on it, reach out, and we'll see if we can add value. Just the only thing we ask, if you're paying off debt, that should be your number one focus. The two people we can help are either working towards a goal like saving for their first home or someone that's paid off debt and worried about retirement. So if you want a bit of guidance and a bit of help, reach out. Don't let money come between you and a better future. So would the like people see that, they're like, okay, I'm going to get a cheap fund. It seems to perform well so far. Um, these low index, uh, low cost index funds, is the is the downside that it will be more bumpy, or that they won't do as much to mitigate the downside, or what? Well, the, the, it's all about risk. I mean, when the markets have all been going up, and they have really, the markets have been going up consistently since the last big shake up, which was the global financial crisis in two thousand and eight. And a lot of people would have thought that COVID might have precipitated another crisis and it did for about a month and then bang went the other way so that caught a lot of people with their pants down so to speak and uh, if you basically put your money into a term deposit uh, you've missed a lot of money you've missed a lot of opportunity that uh, has been there does that make it wrong not necessarily because you never know what the future is going to bring so that's why it's important that any investment arrangement that you have is, is reflects your risk temperament and your time of life. So if you're um, sort of knocking, well, well into your retirement and you've got your money into a growth fund, there's an inconsistency there because if the market falls, you probably haven't got time to wait for it to recover. But as long as you're aware of that, it might be okay. Some people like, you know, like like it um, to uh, you know, bounce around or happy. It's a bit like, you know, how do you like your uh, your curry? You know, definitely not hot, mild, mild butter chicken. Yeah, mild butter chicken. But you know, some people like it really hot. Yeah. But if you have it really hot, you're not not going to enjoy the meal, are you? No. So or the aftermath. And, or the after. Well, no, someone else <laughs> might not enjoy the aftermath. But the and the same is true in in investments. You know, people love it when it goes up by 50%. But those home people probably hate it when it drops by 50%. You know, those who can deal with the ups and downs will over time get a better return. But that takes a level of self-discipline or confidence and belief in the person giving you the advice. 
So what happens, let's say, let's say you've got the, this active manager that's a bit of passive and active. What would they do in a moment where the market's gone down that an index fund might not? Well, what they can do is they can cut their losses for a start. You know, they can sell if they think the market's going to go further down and then they can buy towards the bottom and pick up the upside. An index manager has to follow the downside and wait for the upside. Um, a more active fund manager might actually look at using futures as a way of protecting the portfolio. They might have a put option to basically ensure that if the portfolio drops, the value of their put option is more valuable. Now, I'm not 100% sure that a passive fund manager will do that. Um, they might, but I don't think they do. An active manager would have all those tools at their disposal to try and protect the undervalue, under the, the value of underlying value of the portfolio. Can you explain like those words like future and put options and these tools, like sort of how they work and yeah, well, or shorting the, the, the stock? The, yeah, the futures market is basically where you're um, paying today for something that you'll receive in the future. It goes back to the farmers who uh, have got their wheat in the field and they need money now, so they'd sell the crop now, but they can only deliver in the future. So someone is at the other side of that transaction, which is you know, they're paying now, but they'll be able to recoup their money, hopefully at a profit, in the future when the wheat is harvested. So the futures market basically deals in that sort of arrangement. It can be in all sorts of commodities, currencies, um, the share market, the property market. So it's basically an arrangement where you can be paid today for something that you would have, would have otherwise paid for at some stage in the future. But, of course, the price will be different. And what, what would be, like, when someone says shorting the stock, how is that possible, what that is? People might have heard that from GameStop where everyone rushed in to buy all these stocks because they found out these rich people were shorting it. Well, shorting the market basically means that you're in a situation where you think the market will fall, so you basically um, are selling now um, but intending to buy back later. So you're not actually, um, probably the best way of doing it is talking, you're not paying the current price. You're saying, well, effectively, I'm going to wait till the market falls and then I'll buy. So it's, it's quite risky mm. and in, in some cases possibly illegal. But the, <laughs> you know, it, it depends on you know, where you see the, the market going. So would you like would you think of anecdotal stories throughout your um, profession where you've seen people flushing uh, running to this new sort of product like a revolutionary passively managed product or um, people are chasing returns or um, they wanted the lowest fee and, and and that sort of thing can you think of a story that you've come across where it didn't quite work out too well well, I think that that happens in the market all the time because the, what drives a lot of people's investment decisions is fear and greed. You know, it's the greed of getting something that is over and above expectations 
and the fear is the fear of missing out. So people often will buy on the basis that they think it's going to be a success story, um, and Bitcoin could be a bit like that, that um, suddenly you know, everyone thinks it's the flow of the market, they see the potential returns to the buy and the prices go up, and then something happens and the markets fall. Now, I heard just today that, uh, that the prices for Bitcoins have fallen quite substantially just lately by up to 25%. And I said to the person, why is that? And they said, basically, uh, it comes down to uh, the transactions that Ian Musk, uh, the, oh, yeah. the so-called you know, guru and entrepreneur and... Um, my son tells me I keep, should keep buying shares in his company. It's oh, the future. My son, he's really intelligent. He's almost, he's just turned 13, so probably won't take his advice. But he, <laughs> he might be right. Um, because that's like anything, isn't it? You know, everyone might be right. But apparently uh, Mr. Musk has decided that you can't use Bitcoin to buy into one of his projects. Mm. And as a result of that, people have... Um, kind of had a little bit of a mini panic. It's amazing that one person can spook the market. Yeah. I mean, that happened um, years ago in the silver market. There were two brothers from Texas, Mr. the Hunt brothers, and basically they kept buying up silver, and um, as a result, uh, the prices went up. So that was, that was fine, um, but... At some stage, the market fell quite dramatically because people thought, oh, if they're buying, we'll buy. And then the prices dropped. And the issue in a thing like that is, and this is where the shorting comes in, uh, you might sell something that you don't physically own, like a whole lot of silver, and hope that the price will drop. And when you have to deliver the silver, you buy it at a lower price. So Mm. that could be illegal, do you think? Yes, yeah, could be illegal. questionable. Yeah, and if you looked at the Wolf on Wall Street, remember the movie, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, so it's called manipulating the market, and it's not a good thing. He's because it, and if people do that, or organisations do it, what they do is they undermine the confidence that the mum and dad investors, who are really the cornerstone of the share markets, if you think about it, it's all the mum and dads who've got their money in superannuation funds, Kiwi saver type arrangements here, Australia, you know, the rest of the Western world. And if they lose confidence in that, then they won't invest in the share market. And if people are not going to invest in the share market, how are companies going to get the funds that they need to bring their goods and services to market, to expand their businesses? They'll have to go to the bank. Mm. And the bank's not going to necessarily want to lend because, again, they won't want to take the risk. So for any business, the various source of funds are always um, shareholders' funds or your capital that you have put in, money that you borrow, either short-term from creditors or longer-term from the bank, and uh, the reinvestment of your profits, retained earnings. So... Our system is based on the need for people to have confidence in the banking system, to have confidence in the in the share markets, the the trading markets, 
which may not just be shares, but it could be commodities as well. How do you think, because um, some of the crypto people, they, they have the pushback, they think uh, the US is printing all this money and there's been a huge inflation increase in the USA since subsequently. Is it, they're like, oh, well, what about the value of money? What well, if I can use crypto as a hedge because I think the whole economy is going to applode? Do you, can you remember moments where people spoke in a similar sense, in a similar vein, where they're Governments are spending a whole lot of money and they're worried about and just printing it by the buck load and is it going to be like hyperinflation Germany? And You mean like what's happening in New Zealand today? <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Because, um, again, it can gets, it's about confidence in the monetary system. Mm. If you go back to the Weimar Republic in Germany, uh, you're dead right. What they did is they kept printing money and people lost confidence in the value of that money because basically when a government prints money, it's it's basically saying that the government will stand behind that money and you'll get the equivalent amount in goods and services or, or whatever. And that's why in the old days a lot of currency was linked to the gold standard, which meant that there'd be a store of gold like Fort Knox so that people had the confidence at the end of the day they could take their dollar note and they'd get a dollar's worth of gold. Over time, they said, well, it's expensive to store the gold so we won't bother. You know, we'll have notional gold. And and that's pretty much the system now. So governments need to be very careful in respect of the money supply. Not only the physical money they put out there, but the credit, the, the they call it the M, M2 and M3, the the money that's basically generated by banks and by government. that um, And if there's too much out there, if you like, and people are awash with money or credit and they start buying things because they've got the money to do so, it will push up prices. Mm. It will cause inflation. That could drive to hyperinflation where there's no point keeping your money in the bank because it's losing its purchasing power very, very quickly. Mm, like Venezuela? Yeah, possibly, possibly. In, more, in more modern times. So you it, get a bread for 10 grand? Yeah, well, Bargain. Bargain. Mm. Mm. 15 yeah. grand tomorrow. My, my chooks are looking very valuable, aren't they? Yeah. I won't disclose how many I've got. No, nah, no, we won't. Don't do that. But, Send us a listing. But, um, you know, so if it comes to that, my chooks with their eggs... You know, yeah, my um, garden's going to look very interesting. You will, yeah. The apocalyptic world. You got guns, knives. <gasps> no, 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 bazookas. No, no, no guns, no knives. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, no, of course. No. They, they also, Bill Gates has asked um, if he had less than three dollars um, and he needed to fund his lifestyle. What would he do? He said, "Get a chicken." And that's that's what most most people in impoverished nations do. Well, we won't get a chicken for three dollars. Maybe in Africa, you might. Yeah. Barter, Probably thirty dollars in New Zealand. Thirty, thirty a chicken. Yeah, chicken. Jeez, so if you got to include that in your net worth, then if you got an undisclosed number, undisclosed number. The yeah, so you're hoping, of course, the chicken will give you an egg a day, but you've got to feed it. Yeah, I don't, well, know, I don't hunting. know. I don't know if they're that economic, really. But the mum goes hunting with them, feeds them nothing, just goes for a walk, and they yeah. just find their own scrubs. Yeah, my neighbours have told me they're doing that. So ah, yeah, cool. Yeah. There you yeah, go. I've been elfed. Saving costs, mate. Yeah. On that note, I think um, we've got a, a hear noises, like a guess is coming. So what what would be your final remarks that you would like to to say about the default funds and the, the direction that the FMA has gone with the 
the low fees? Well, I think, as I say, the, the government or the FMA or whoever has decided on uh, who are the default providers uh, are really being driven by those who charge the lowest fees. And I don't think that's necessarily uh, the right way of doing it. I think they should do it on the basis of which of those providers is prepared to communicate to the people that they end up with mm. and uh, ensure that those people get advice that's fit for the purpose, that they go into a fund uh, that is appropriate for their time of life. So younger people, growth funds, older people, balanced or moderate funds, and you know, to ensure that you manage expectations. In the letter, the man talked about 9%. Well, if it's a 9% after-tax return in this sort of market, it's probably unsustainable because that would mean that he's getting a real return of about 8%, <laughs> and I wouldn't think that that's sustainable. Um, he could have all his money in the share market and he might get a real return between 5 and 7 but boy, is he on a roller coaster ride. Mm. And that is not likely to be an appropriate mix as he comes up to retirement. For a young fellow like you, that might be good. Yeah. But if you need some of that money to fund your first home purchase, it would be bad. Mm. You would be better to be in a balanced or moderate fund. Nah, good call. On that note, uh, sane, sound, sensible advi- financial advice as, Always. Per, as usual. As usual. Yes. And, uh, Thanks, CNZ Audio Editors, uh, for making us sound like Barry White. Thank you very much. Yeah, I normally sound like I've been swallowing helium all day. Uh, And thank you to the TikTok audience. Until next time, cheers.